today in that first reading from Prophet Micah, the Lord speaks to those who are plotting evil. And we may not be surprised, there are those who are conniving always, doing things which may hurt others because they're looking for some advantage, whether material, political, whatever it may be. And there are actually people who wish to gain some form of advantage or riches by way, which is not the, the gospel, not the way of the commandments, but they come up with their own ways. And this is why today God speaks through prophet Isaiah to the people of God. He says, woe to those who plan iniquity and work out evil on their couches. In the morning light, they accomplish it when it lies within their power. And so they covet fields and seize them, houses, and they take them. They cheat one, an owner of his house, a man of his inheritance. And uh, here it is, and we see this even right now, you know, even the world situation, uh, you know, another country, Russia, which wish to have the possession of Ukraine as part of their country. And it's not just that, we see throughout the history, we see it seems like we never grow. You know, World War II took place for the same reason. Uh, trying to acquire property of somebody else so that they may wish to live in a better way. But at any rate, the Lord responds in a very powerful way. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I am planning against this race an evil from which you shall not withdraw your necks, nor shall you walk with head high, for it will be a time of evil. Sin has consequences. The way God made us, the way God formed us from the very beginning, particular actions, which we call sinful actions, bring upon us um, pain, suffering, it brings upon us destruction. So even if people are not fully aware of particular things which they do, which are sinful, even if they're not aware, if they don't have freedom, they may not be guilty of sin, and yet the consequences are still there. The consequences are there. So therefore, it's not that we have to proclaim the truth, because we do. It's because this truth sets us free. It protects us from consequences of sin. Anything which is contrary to the Ten Commandments, the Gospel, the values, it's not that it's free of, of, of consequences. And this is where today's world may not realize. You know, value-free activities, they're not value-free. Every action, if it's good, it brings good. If it's, if it's contrary to God's law, it brings evil and hurt and destruction. And this is something that we have to kind of really deeply realize because our culture has blinded us so much to the reality that, oh, you can do whatever you wish as long as you, in quotes, don't hurt somebody. Well, it's, but the problem is this, even our personal sin, which is done in the privacy of one's heart or one's home, still hurts others because we are the body of Christ. And even if there's a sickness of, in our kidneys, it affects our whole body. If there's a sickness in our own eyes, it affects our own body. 
because our body is one. And so therefore, any form of thing we do, which is contrary to God's ways, is actually that which brings harm to the society. If, the, if all Christians truly believed and really lived, eliminating as much as is humanly possible uh, sin, only if it's a sin of weakness rather than intent, then the whole society will be healed, will receive greater healing, because we can bring forth the grace of healing that Jesus has brought to us, and he, he wants to share it. He wants to make sure that we are affecting positive one another, praying for each other, because that's when grace comes. You know, living according to, to the commandments, living according to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit, because it brings healing. And so the first teaching of today from our first reading is that, that God, the way he made this world, it's not that he causes suffering, but the sin itself causes suffering. That's how God made us. You know, you, you, you abuse your health, you won't have it at the end. It's just like that. If you abuse, you know, uh, somebody's kindness, you'll know what will happen. It's not just things which officially the state or government prosecutes a stealing or killing or harming or something, but they do not have any regulations regarding the holy day. They don't have regulations against taking care of your parents or not. You know, the state doesn't rule those things. It only is something which externally is manifested. At any rate, the Lord says on that day, people will realize that there's something that they brought upon themselves and that's evil. Sometimes people say, well, you know, it's kind of unfair because we do things, you know, because we kind of fell into a habitual practice of particular weakness or sin. And then at the end, it seems like a, like, like a, you know, the truckload of, of evil seems to come upon us, but slowly builds up, builds up, and then this is what happens to us, just like if we are building in grace, you know, building in prayer, after, you know, perhaps even years of prayer or so, there seems to be a tremendous grace that comes upon us. The second aspect today is on, in our gospel, and what Jesus speaks to us is this, we see people, Pharisees are planning just like in the book of Micah, uh, they're planning, as, uh, they took counsel, they're planning to kill Jesus. Why? Because he cured on Sabbath, because he doesn't seem to respect the laws of the Sabbath according to Pharisees. So people are coming to him to be healed, to be strengthened, because he has the power to give, and yet Pharisees look upon it and says, look, he can't be of God because he's, British, he's not following the the commandments of course, according to their interpretation, what should be. So they go out and take counsel. Other people who are in need, um, they wish to receive grace from him. But he says, when Jesus realized this, he withdrew from that place. Many people followed him and he cured them all, but he warned them not to make, his, make him known why he didn't want them 
others to be known because he didn't want to have popularity. It's not why, oh yeah, there he is, so important. No, because the Lord always does in meekness of heart, in humility, he's, he's, he's serving others. It's not for fame, it's for the service. And this is why the Lord doesn't want them to, to proclaim him. He wants them to, to realize what he does for each person because he came with grace and service and healing and strength for, for the people. This is why he came to us. And this is why that, that quote from prophet Isaiah is so important because it's God the Father who speaks on behalf of Jesus. Pharisees want to eliminate him, but God the Father speaks on his behalf. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom I delight. Remember the same words came or similar words came during transfiguration. Also at baptism, the voice of the Father speaking. And here from Isaiah, the quote which St. Matthew quotes for us, he speaks of God the Father's voice and gives witness to who Jesus is. My beloved servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, my beloved in whom I delight, I shall place my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles, not only to the people of the covenant, but all of us. And then he continues this voice of the Father. He will not contend or cry out or anyone hear his voice in the streets because he is not forcing himself upon people. He is inviting us to, 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 to come to him. So this is not, not by, by, you know, by political action, advertising, or whatever it may be. He's quietly inspiring us, he's leading us. No one can, can accuse Jesus of forcing himself upon anyone. And so he will not contend, he will not cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets, but a bruised reed he will not break. Someone who's already broken in their heart, someone who's already has been hurting, he will not break. But what he will do uh, is heal. A smoldering wick he will not quench, even though there's a little bit of tiny light of grace in our hearts and yet he will not push us away, he will not extinguish until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope, all of us, the Gentiles will hope. All of us will find hope in our Lord because what the Lord has done is he came to reconcile the world. The Father came to wish that the world be reconciled to, him, to himself. And so he sent his son and he entrusted this message to Jesus and he is entrusting this message to us. Today we honor Our Lady of Mount Carmel. On this day in 1251, Our Lady gave a message to Saint Simon Stock, is an English Carmelite, and, and she received on this special day uh, Simon Stock was a superior general of her community and they were going through many, many difficulties. And at that time, he, uh, he had this experience of Our Lady and Our Lady gave him, you know, this habit, receive my beloved son, this habit of, of your order. This shall be to you and to all Carmelites a privilege that whosoever dies clothed in this shall never suffer eternal life, as shall suffer eternal fire. It shall be a sign of salvation, a protection and danger, and a pledge of peace. 
you know, the brown scapular, which the Carmelites wear, it's a long one from, you know, from their neck down. But then for all, all who are invited to, to share in that special grace, uh, many people just wear a small brown one. Uh, there's all kinds of privileges here, not only that the, the uh, of belonging to, in a special way, to the Carmelite community, but also the, the promise holds true, the promise. And then there's, there's another aspect of that wearing of the scapular, which is known as Sabatine privilege, that uh, concerns a promise made by Our Lady to Pope John XXII. In a papal letter he issued, he recounted a vision that he had had. He stated that Blessed Virgin had said to him in his vision concerning those who wear the brown scapular, I, the Mother of Grace, shall descend on the Saturday after death, and whom, whomsoever I shall find in purgatory, I shall free, so that I may lead them to the holy mountain of life everlasting. Powerful promise, powerful promise to be clothed by the, 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 the cloth of innocence, cloth of protection of Our Lady. You know, scapular, uh, there are more than one scapular, as you know. We have a scapular, a green scapular and blue scapular, which is the Mecca conception. And, and, and you have black scapular, also red. However, the privileges are the same. Being clothed with the grace that the Our Lady has received from our Lord, which he shares with us. The grace of protection, grace of innocence, to be protected from evil. And this is what, this is a way of consecration as we can consecrate ourselves. So now Pius XII said something like this, you know, for those who are wearing brown scapular, which he recommended highly. He says, the scapular is a practice of piety, which by its very simplicity is suited to everyone and has spread widely among the faithful of Christ to their spiritual prophets. And also Pope Paul VI, Saint Pope Paul said, let the faithful hold in high esteem the practices and devotions to the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Rosary and the scapular of Carmel. And so, and then in another place he spoke of, you know, scapular is so highly recommended by our illustrious predecessors because he, the, the gift that the Lord is giving us. So first of all, we have special revelation that Our Lady gave to Simon Stock, to Pope John XXII. These are special privileges. But beyond that, we honor Our Lady, uh, Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And I would wish to say a couple things here. First of all, Our Lady's role in salvation history. What is her role? Her role is to be the mother of Jesus, and she's also the mother of us all, but she received that privilege uh, from the cross when Jesus spoke to her. And then Jesus also said, not only she's the mother of us all, but we are her children, we are her children. She will do everything. You know, it seems like, you know, like, like a scapular, this little piece of cloth, seems so simple. Seems like there's something should be something more. And then she makes it 
for us such a simple act, such a simple thing to be of such great value. I remember one um, person from Korea. He was not Christian. He came during the 70s to the United States. And he told me himself the story. And, and he came uh, from Korea and, you know, wanted to follow, you know, the this whole culture of 60s, 70s, you know, sort of kind of free culture. But along the way, he met some Christians who invited him to come to know the Lord. Eventually, he became Catholic. And he became Catholic and really wanted to practice faith. And then he wanted to introduce this faith to his, to his family in Korea, who were, some were Buddhist, some were not, but some family members. And so what he did is he took a scapular a green scapular, and he took it and put it under his mother's, in his mother's bed. He says, we have a bed in Korea which are made of stone, so it was easy for me to hide it. And I said, you know, Blessed Monday, you take care of my mom so she can become Christian. And sure enough, a couple years later, his mother asked him about becoming Christian. And, and he said, he said, and then from that moment on, when she became Christian, he became Catholic. And she said, and she continued the practice. She used to go and light a candle in the Buddhist temple. And then she said, she, she said, no, she says, now I want to light a candle before a lady and intercede for the rest of the family. Eventually, many of the family members became Catholic as well. And so he, he gave me a witness to the power, simple power of that scapular placing in the bed of his mom, and, and then through his mom, you know, Christianity, Catholicism came to the family. Simple, yes, absolute simplicity. And yet this is what Our Lady is doing. That's her role. Her role is to lead us, to bring us to closer to the Lord. Sometimes people are afraid to call upon the Lord because they realize how much, how sinful they have been. If you like, you know, they deserve the consequences of what they've done. And sometimes they're even afraid to call up to the Lord, although he is the Lord of mercy. He's the one. We can always look up to him. But at times they seem to get, get more courageous to ask the mother of Jesus. He says, you help me out so I can honor the Lord, so I can go to a deeper conversion. The role of our blessed mother is powerful. She takes care. She really reaches out. She wants us to be part of the, the body of Christ destined for glory. And there's, there's a, a quote here which I wish to say, give. Um, you know, Pope Benedict XVI said, when he came to Our Lady, and, and, and the desire, her desires to enter into a relationship with us, Mary is the first in which in, in, it, was, it was the first in a way which can never be equaled to believe and experience that Jesus, the incarnate word, is the summit, the peak of our encounter with God. And so Mary is the one who can lead us. She can inspire us, that she can, she can, uh, uh, she can uh, not only, only intercede for us, but also to help us out on that along the way. And, and finally, I know that Carmelites today celebrate this feast day 
in a powerful way, you know, because, you know, the Carmelite community, they, um, there was a number of, of monks who were living already in ninth century uh, on Mount Carmel. You know, Mount Carmel was a place where, where Elijah was, became famous. Elijah, <clears throat> uh, Elijah was a prophet in the eighth century, ninth century, where he was calling the people back to God. There was so much of idolatry then. He was the only prophet that, that survived, the prophet of the Lord. The rest became prophets of Baal. And he was this, this incredible, incredible witness to God. He wanted God to truly be at the heart of all people. And so Carmelites share this tradition both from Elijah as well as Blessed Mother. And, and, and I would like to just read a couple things from, from the Carmelite uh, constitutions, which are so good. We have to see what, why they uphold Elijah and why they follow Our Lady in such a way. In Elijah, according to Carmelites, says, we see the solitary prophet who nurtured his thirst for the one and only God and lived in his presence. He's the contemplative, burning with passionate love for the absolute who is God. The word flaring like a torch, tor torch. He's the mystic who after a long and wearisome journey learned to read the new signs of God's presence. He's the prophet who became involved in the lives of the people and who by battling against false idols brought them back to faithfulness to their covenant with the one God. He's the prophet who was in solitary solidarity with the poor and the forgotten and who defended those who endured violence and injustice. So, so we see, first of all, how uh, a Carmelite community, because of, you know, because of the word Carmel, you know, which is this, uh, the mountain and where it became such a powerful influ influence on the people of God. So in Elijah, uh, they not only see the prophetic wisdom, but also uh, uh, dedication and zeal for God. And then, again, the constitutions of Carmelites speak of Our Lady, the importance of Mary. It says, Mary, overshadowed by the Spirit of God, is the Virgin of the new heart, who gave a human face to the Word made flesh. She is the Virgin of wise and contemplative listening, who kept and pondered in her heart the events and the words of the Lord. She is the faithful disciple of wisdom, who sought Jesus, God's wisdom, and allowed herself to be formed and molded by His Spirit so that in faith she might be conformed to his ways and choices. Thus enlightened Mary is presented to us as one able to read the great wonders which God accomplished in her for the salvation of the humble and of the poor. Mary was not only the mother of our Lord, she also became his perfect disciple, the woman of faith. She followed Jesus walking with his disciples, sharing their demanding and wearisome journey a journey which required above all fraternal love and mutual service. At the marriage feast in Cana, Mary taught us to believe in her son. At the foot of the cross, she became mother of all who believe. With them, she experiences the joy of the resurrection. United with other disciples in constant prayer, she received the first gifts of the Spirit who filled the earliest Christian community with apostolic zeal. And so in Mary, the Carmelites, According to the Constitution, they see the Mother of God, the archetype of the Church, the perfect image of all they want and hope to be. For this reason, Carmelites have always taught 
thought of Mary as a patron of their order because she is virgin, most pure, looking always in living in spiritual intimacy with her son. This is the invitation that, that the Carmelites are offering to us. Again, today, special day for us. Okay, number one is the Lord wants us to really live out our life faithful to him because if we follow the path of sin, we will find ourselves in the path of destruction. And then the Lord says to us, do not plan evil. Do not plan evil because the evil will destroy us. And then he also, we see the father gives us a witness to his son. He's my beloved son, listen to him. And finally, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, truly a mother of the Son of God, who wants us to, to know that she will do everything for us, and including with a scapular, she will provide that protection. And then with the Sabbatine privilege, that after we die, the first Saturday after we die, she'll come and take us home to heaven. What a beautiful, beautiful gift. So may the Lord then today, through this sacred liturgy, may he give us special knowledge, conviction, strength, and power to say to the Lord, I want to love you, I want to be with you, I want to follow you. And we ask Our Lady to intercede for us that we may share the glories of heaven. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.